Hello and welcome to Rick Radio Community News Desk, episode 101. I'm Mick Handy. Well, later in the programme, we talk with maritime historian and author, Cormac F. Loud, about his book, Rings and Sailing Trawlers. But first... Well, joining me on the Community News uh, today is uh, Darren O'Connor, project leader with Ricky's Youth Service. Uh, Darren, you're very welcome to the podcast. Hi, and, Mick. Thanks uh, for having me. Um, Darren, I suppose, first of all, tell us what does Ricky's stand for and what is your job there? Yeah, so uh, I'm Darren O'Connor. I'm the project leader of Ricky's. And Ricky stands for Rings End and Irish Town Community Centre Youth Service. And we're a youth service and we're based up in Irish Town. So uh, the cafe space is right across from... Uh, the, the pub, what's the name of that pub oh, now? The Irish Town House. Irish Town House. Yeah, yeah. Go. I'm only there three years and I'm forgetting the name <laughs> of the most important pub. So we're right beside that. Uh, and yeah, we, we run the youth service. Our target group will be uh, ages 10 to 24 years of age. So we work with all young people from Rings End and Irish Town. And we also work with young people from uh, Pearsley and other uh, neighbouring communities. So if you know, if you hang around in, in Rings End or you hang around in Irish Town, you know, the space is there for you to come in, check in with us and uh, just, you know, come in, get to know the staff, just knock on the door. We're very welcoming most of the time unless we're really out the door with groups. We try and accommodate everyone when they come to the door. If you need to find out more, just, you know, drop into us. But we work with uh, 10 to 24 years of age. We operate from uh, Monday to Friday, occasional weekends, we do maybe three to four residentials a year. We also do, uh, we go down to the cabin centre. We do uh, youth exchanges. So we'd be an accredited project with uh, Lergos Erasmus. And we uh, we do three projects a year. We do two youth exchanges and we do a youth worker mobility, which is a professional training of youth workers. So we look at, you know, uh, bringing up to tw- uh, 18 to 20 young people abroad. So last year we, we brought young people to Greece, a place called Florina. It's just in the Saloniki there in, in Greece. And uh, we also hosted them in June. So we hosted 20 Greeks came over to us from, from there. Yeah. And uh, we hosted them in August and we went to them in June. So that's something we're, we're now doing regularly here in, in Ricky's. And uh, we... We have a, an agreement with the with the national agency that they they will fund us for the next three years, so that's something uh, we look to keep doing in the future. So we also we have plans yeah. for uh, for two more youth exchanges next uh, this year. So we're looking to host again in June. So we will host uh, a group from Italy from Turin. So we will have up to maybe seventeen places for young people. Again, the ages for that youth exchange will be 15 to 17. So we have a couple of young people who, who we will be targeting for it, but we do have some spaces. So if you're 15 to 17, you're from the Rings End Irish Town community or Pier Street or, you know, you you hang around here, you know, drop into us or contact us on our Facebook pages, uh, our Facebook page, which is uh, Ricky's. And let us know if you're interested and there could be a place there for you. We bring you in, have a chat and uh, see if, you know, if, if we can get you there. But, you know, come contact us and let us know if you're interested. 
huge amounts, as you say, in all, in all that. So let's go through them kind yeah. of singularly. Uh, the programmes you're running, 10 to 14, 10 years of age, 24, I should say, that's a big gap, uh, Darren. So what kind of activities and programmes would you run? You, you mentioned you're open five days a week, usually from 2 to about 10 at night, which is, a, you know, it, it's a great space for, yeah. for, for people. But a 10-year-old, 24-year-old's, is there, is there different programmes for them? Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So we, we wouldn't have the 10-year-olds in with the 24-year-olds. And what, what, we, what we would have is we'd run our groups for like age-specific. So a lot of our groups, we would start off, for example, we do integration programmes. So our integration programmes, it's really looking for young people who are in primary school and who are now looking to, you know, integrate into the youth service. And also we, we look at focusing on that transition period from primary to secondary school. So the youth mm. service are there as a support and to get them ready for what they should expect. So we would work with, uh, you know, fourth, fifth and sixth class once you're 10. So we would roughly have, say, 10 to 12 year olds would come into our integration programs. We do them after school. So when the young people are finished school, we have a boys and we have a girls. We we have them separate, of course, but like <laughs> we tend to you know, mix them then when they when they go into our drop-in sentence. So that's kind of our, really our induction program. So we also support uh, the Rick After Skills clubs that happen in the community centre. And that's our kind of like our, our first way of meeting a lot of the young people who mm. are, you know, eight, nine years of age. And then we're, we have that relationship with them for when they're 10. And then there's a quick transition route into the youth service. So that integration program will be kind of our first model of work that we do with the young people to get to know them, build relationships. And then we have our, our drop-in spaces. So we would have drop-in spaces then for, we look at the secondary uh, young uh, kids. So we have uh, from roughly 13 to, to 14 years of age. And these are, uh, young people who are in maybe you know fourth and second year yeah. of school yeah. and that would be we would have drop-in spaces for them so I think we have three groups now in that age group throughout the week and they would be mainly from five o'clock till six thirty, seven o'clock would be those spaces we have uh, we have a boys group we have a girls group and then we have a mixed group when you say drop-in what, what does that entail? so a drop-in is just a safe comfortable space for young people to come in it's structured and it's organised by the youth work staff but they're free to be themselves you know there mm. is no real agenda there for when they come in to we need you to do this or we're looking for you to do that it's youth led you know supported by the by the youth workers there's games and activities there from pool playstation arts uh music and you know it's the young people just come in here to get to be themselves yeah and based on their interaction there is how we develop programs within the service so we might have a group coming in who are you know ex uh, experiencing bullying in school so yeah, yeah we'll design maybe a bullying program to support them with that and that's what we call developmental work so the developmental work is is, is work that happens with smaller groups so our drop-ins would be large structured groups where our developmental work would be more so the small structured groups. Yeah. So uh, we have we have a group like uh, other groups where we have a neurodiversity group that come in on a Thursday. We would have uh, an LGBTQ plus uh, group that that come in during the week also. So it's really based on the needs and the issues in the community. We you know we have groups. We do, we don't label young people. We we do. 
you know have certain names on our on our groups yeah but a lot of it is uh you know it's 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 really just trying to cater for the needs in the community as they present themselves so we have we also have a our senior drop in now which is 15 to 18 year olds well 15 to 17 year olds and uh that's a tourist day late night drop in we have from 7 30 to uh, to 9 30 and that would be the core group in that in in that group would have went to Greece last year on a youth exchange. Some of them didn't, and we'll have an opportunity to do Italy this, this year. year yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, and we also we do some outreach work, street work, which is uh, when we say street work, people are thinking <laughs> what street work, but it's youth workers. You know, they're out in the street, they're walking around the area, Irish Town, the Rings End, um, particularly the park. And they're just, you know, trying to hit hot spots where there is young people. Yeah. You know, and building them relationships with them. If they're engaging, it's just kind of reminding them what's on for the week for them. And if they're not engaged, you're just trying to build that relationship, let them know that Ricky's are there. And if they need any support, that they feel free to come in to us. Or even if they want to do a bit of detached work out on the street, if they don't want to come in, we can arrange that, you know. And that's kind of, uh, we, we do two outreach sessions a week. Wednesdays and Fridays and uh, we also do it on a Friday because it is a, you know an e it is an evening where you know there young people can engage in antisocial behavior so it is a you know a key, a key focus on us to kind of you know engage with young people at that time yeah yeah and the 18 to 24 year olds what's what would that entail yeah so for was with the 18 to 24 year olds we actually have a uh, a lot of our street work provisions would, would cater for that age group. We had we had committees, uh, we had youth committees now, and we've lost a lot of our, you know, 18, 19 year olds. Some of them are still volunteering with us and some of them have gone on and got jobs in schools as teachers. Uh, some of them are involved in the community, community centre as well. So we're kind of looking for that now, uh, the next generation. As, yeah, as, as yeah. we're working with so it's still we do have opportunities for 18 and 24, 24 year old we actually have an opportunity coming up Mick in April so we, we have a partnership with a group in Hungary and we're looking to mm. do partner them on a youth exchange so we have spaces for four young people within the Irish Town Rings End area or the neighbouring areas if you uh, if you hear this and you're interested please contact us we have four places. We're, we're happy to meet with people and see are these suitable candidates. We're looking for young people who are free uh, to, travel. you know, yeah, to travel and available. Yeah. I'm sure if, if, if they're in college, you know, particularly if they're studying youth community work or something similar, the college would, would support it. It's a once in a lifetime experience. Mm. And it also, if you're, if you're, if you're studying youth and community work, it would really enhance uh, your, your skills and experience. And that's for, it's for almost a week in, I think, the 2nd to the 10th of April. And, uh, yeah, it's contact, contact us and Ricky's. Uh, drop into the U Cafe. Let us know you're interested or hit us up on our Facebook page. Uh, Brilliant opportunity. Let us know. Yeah, look, it's it's, all costs is covered, Mick. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it's funded by, by uh, Lergos. Uh, sorry, uh, it is funded by the... Erasmus, this one is, we're, we're a partner organisation with the Hungary, uh, Hungarian National Agency, but Lergos would fund all the uh, the Irish projects that we do and the accreditation that we got. So it's, uh, look, it's a great opportunity. It's something that, you know, maybe wasn't available many years ago for people. And we've already, we, we sent, uh, I think, 
maybe 40 to 50 young people from Rings End yeah. and Irish Town have now engaged in the Erasmus uh, program. And uh, they've been to, to Greece and uh, what would they do when they go to Hungary now? What would they what would they be engaged yeah, so, in? So a youth exchange would be it's not a holiday, so they won't be going over to, to Hungary to have a holiday. They'd be going over to engage with other uh, people from different countries, from uh, you know, the likes of uh, Finland or Spain and, and Hungary itself. It's called a multilateral uh, youth exchange, so it exists mm. to four to five different countries, small teams. So there'll be one youth worker for, for young people, uh, all of the age of between 18, 18 and 30. It's the European age, but, but in Ireland, our, our cut-off is 24. 24, yeah. So uh, that's why we say 18 to 24. So they'd be engaged in workshops, you know. Uh, they'd be looking at the name of the youth exchange is Rate My Plate. So they're looking at food, looking at, you know, healthy ways to, to grow your food, to watch what you're eating, to really kind of challenge these uh, unhealthy uh, lifestyles around certain parts of Europe. And uh, they will do that in a fun, non-formal setting. So it's a non-formal education. Mm. And it's working with other other European countries. It's getting that sense of being European. So a lot of us in Ireland, we live in an island. You know, we don't have the luxuries of other European countries where they can jump on trains yeah. and take an hour to visit a different country. We have to get on a plane. But I suppose these programmes really, you know, uh, make young people feel more European and know that there isn't another place outside of Ireland for them to, to go get work and to achieve their full potential or live their, their dreams, you know? So it's uh, it does create that opportunity and also get to see and have another look at different perspectives across Europe. Fantastic, absolutely. And that's so four people, you're looking for, for that Hungarian trip, which yeah. is in April. Uh, and to contact you at Ricky's down yeah, there. Uh, yeah, they can in, drop in. into the U Cafe, Mick, or they can contact us on our Facebook page. Uh, you can find our Facebook page on uh, Rick, rick.com. You can get it on, on Facebook, Ricky's. Uh, you know, it's, it, it's there. It's easy, accessible as well, yeah? To get you, yeah, yeah. Now, the other exchange as well, um, and we saw last year, as you, you mentioned there, the... the, the Greek people coming here, young people and, and yourselves going over there. I think it's the opposite this time round is that the Italians are coming yeah. here for us yeah. and then the people from Rings and Irish yeah. are going to, yes, to Italy. And you have a number of places on that too, have you? We have some, yeah. So yeah. it's, uh, you know, again, it's we, we have a lot of young people interested. Like we will definitely fill it, uh, Mick. But what we try and do is we try and give uh, new young people the opportunity to yeah. go on a youth exchange. So we have we had a we had a two groups the last two years who are itching to go again. And then uh, we can certainly send them on too, but we want to give an opportunity to, for new young people to get the experience to go away. So we're really kind of exhausting uh, avenues around, you know, putting it out there for young people if they want to go, if they haven't experienced it before, that it is an opportunity. You're 15 to 17, you know, you live in Rings End or Irish Town or you hang around this this area and you live nearby, you know, contact us. There might be a place for you. So uh, that's what we, ideally we want to send new young people who didn't have this experience. But if we get 14 young people signed up, you know, we'll just have to do an interview process with many of the other young people that we, got, we brought away before to bring them away a second time. But we do like to get new young people to experience this. That is our goal. Brilliant, brilliant. And I was here when you were heading off to Greece 
uh, last year. Um, and of course, there's a lot of youth leaders goes, go with them as well. You have to have people. How many youth leaders are involved in Ricky's altogether? Yeah, so yeah, we have a team. So there's myself, who's uh, the project leader. Uh, there's Brennan Cummins, who's a full-time youth worker there. We have Alison Wrigley, part-time uh, youth staff, and Stephen O'Connor, part-time youth staff. So there's four of us. We're a relatively small team. And, uh, you know, so it's uh, we're limited on, on what we can do throughout the week, but we do our best and we, run, we like to think we run a, a good service and uh, we get lots of young people in. We have a good turnover. We had, uh, last year alone, we had 248 unique individuals access Ricky's. Brilliant. Which is, yeah. like, which yeah. is just phenomenal, uh, given the, the size of our staff team. And that's 248 different young people, you know. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, it's not a... Uh, people coming back and all same. that yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's what we call in the sector unique individuals which is a great number for the for the service so small and uh, you know we just keep them growing we get new we're getting new members weekly and uh, you know and we're still open to to getting new members in and we'll try and cater for them the best way we can we also uh, offer provisions for young people through the midterm breaks so we have them coming up in February. We'll try and get as many young people as we can out on a trip. So it, we use it as an opportunity to bring young people on a, on, a, on a good trip. And if we don't get them out or your group isn't targeted for that one, you know, we then have Easter where we have two weeks. And we try and, we try and balance it that we, you know, give everyone an opportunity of, of a trip. Yeah, but sometimes yeah. it can be hard, you know, these 248 young know, people yeah, accessing yeah. in one year. You can't on a midterm break in February maybe get all them out. You might be able to cater for fifty to sixty within that week, and the capacity that we have. But that's what we try and do. We try and manage it the best way we can. We also do it in the summer. We have a summer project that we do for two weeks, and then we also support the Rick summer camp, which is a four week summer camp. So uh, we try and engage with the young people the best way we can throughout uh, midterm breaks as well. Fabulous. And for say anyone, I know you've that eighteen to twenty four. Uh, your group where obviously people are finishing their leaving cert and moving into the, the jobs market and that for 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 work as a as a, as a youth leader as a project leader um darren but where do where would people go or what would they do what do, do they have to do within say their leaving cert to do this type of work okay so yeah so in 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 youth work there is a, a minimum requirement of a degree so if you want to get into youth work you will need a degree and ideally, they look for what's known as, uh, it's called the NSETs, which is uh, an NSET-endorsed degree that on, on uh, youth and community. So, for example, Minute University, they uh, carry out the, the course. Uh, Blanche uh, also, they have the course in Blanche. They also have the course in DKIT, Dundalk. So they, 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 they are the three uh, colleges now at the minute that are you know, endorsed to, yeah, do, to yeah. do the youth and community. They're great courses. We uh, we, ho we host uh, the students on placement. We just have a, a girl from Blanche now that started with us this week. And we've had uh, students from Minute and students from uh, Dundalk. And they're just an amazing asset to us, you know, yeah, and yeah. really help us with uh, achieving our goals uh, yeah. within within the UBU uh, requirements because we, we are funded by... Uh, by the department, you know, we, we do have a service level agreement and we have uh, t targets and and we have numbers that we have to we have to reach. And uh, 
the colleges are great in doing that, you know. But for any young person that, you know, is interested in youth work, there's also the Liberties the Liberties do a PLC program as well. So if you're kind of if you don't get the points you need to get into a university or you're unsure about youth work but you're you know, you're playing with it a little bit and you mm, might want to yeah, get into yeah. it. Uh, the Liberties is a great uh, stepping stone, you know, to, to, to kind of get you to see if, if it's what you want to do, you know. And, uh, yeah, so that's there, the progression routes into, into the into the sector. Yeah, So yeah. it is, it's, you know, there is... Rewarding a, work anyway, it sounds. Yeah, no, it is. It really is. Like, you know, we get to work with young people and uh, to keep us young, Mick, you know, keep us... Well, they could do it a few years ago. <laughs> uh, so especially when, you, when, you're a, when you're a father to kids and they think they're pulling the wool over your eyes. You're working with young people and they, they keep you sharp, you know. <laughs> very good, very, very good. And, uh, so you, you have plenty on this year, uh, Darren. Uh, I know we're only uh, at yeah. the start of the year, but you have plenty. You probably have a, a program of events for the whole year. Yeah, look, we've, we've plenty on, Mick, but we're also open to new projects and new programs. And if yeah. there's a group of young people listening or a young person listening and, you know, I haven't said anything that's ticking boxes for them. Come down and have a chat to us. We're always yeah. open. Yeah. The youth work team is very highly skilled and they're very open to trying new things as well. So like also we do, you know, we, we do stuff around podcasting. We've been very uh, productive in podcasting the last few years, which has gone very quiet on us now. We think the young people, some of the young people have uh, lost a little bit of interest in it because they've given it so much. So that's something as well. We're always looking and yeah, we're yeah. here now in Rick Radio where we have a great facility and we can do stuff here. So it's, you know, if, if there's someone listening out there and you want to pursue even podcasting, uh, present, come down and have a chat us. with us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, Brilliant. And, and Brilliant. what we want to do is try and offer, you know, the alternatives that the community aren't offering. So there's lots of football teams, Gaelic teams here, dancing groups, drama groups. We don't want to step on them uh, on their toes there. You know, they do yeah. great work. We refer p uh, young people to there. But we want to do alternative stuff for young people that, you know, isn't happening around the community. Fantastic indeed. Well, Darren, all we can do is uh, thank you for coming in and uh, letting us all know. We wish you the best, best Brilliant, for, Thanks for, for 2024. Me. And good luck with Hungry Four Places uh, for that yeah, group. Yeah. And then, of course, we've that Italian trip later on in, in the year. There you go. That's it. Lots going on. Thank you. Come and join us at our Retro Cafe. Open weekdays from 10 until 2 here in the community centre. Come and check out our Karen's culinary delights. Well, joining me on the community news desk now is uh, historian and author uh, Cormac F. Loud. And uh, Cormac is going to be talking with me uh, about a book that he uh, brought out about 18 months ago called Rings and Sailing Trawlers. And Cormac, you're very welcome to the podcast once again. Thank you, Mike. Cormac, I suppose before we get into the book, um, for our listeners, could you tell us a little bit about uh, yourself and, and how you get into all this um, writing books and history and uh, I suppose... Your, your links to Ring's End as well. Sure thing, Mick. Uh, well, I've been associated with the sea in one way or another all my life. I'm much of my call a marine buff, although I've been classified as an, a, a maritime historian, but uh, I'm only an amateur one. But nevertheless, I've been associated with the sea. I grew up in a boaty family. But I first heard about the Ring's End Sailing Trawlers in 1957 when my father it was also a marine boat brought uh, a fishing boat from Arklow up to Ringsend and we established a mooring there. And 
over a couple of years we converted it into a, a motor sailor. But there were a lot of old men used to congregate around the steps at the bottom of Cambridge Road there at the time. And that's when I first heard about the, the sailing smacks, as they called them. Because some of them apparently had sailed on them when they were young men. Uh, they disappeared. In, in The last one went in 1919. But there were a lot of old men there in 1957 who had sailed on the sailing trawlers as, as young lads. And I had an interest in it ever since. But it was a whole period of maritime history that went under the radar. It practically disappeared. And over the years, I got very much involved in um, maritime historical matters. And I'm a member of various historical societies. And I've been lecturing on maritime matters and writing articles uh, for a great many years. So I just decided to research the rings and sailing trawlers, having heard about them as a young lad. Because very little had ever been written about them. And... I had a bit of a job finding actual pictures of them, but in, in the end, I gathered up quite a good few. And it was a big thing in its day, <clears throat> back in the day, there was a big fleet of sailing trawlers existed in Ringsend from 19, 1819 to 1919, exactly 100 years. And they existed in an almost unchanged state over that period. I reckon uh, from my researches that there was, I can't nail it down definitively because the registers disappeared in the Custodos fire. Uh, I reckon there were between 260 and 300 boats there over the 100 years. The most that were ever there at any one time was about 75, I think. F fantastic indeed. And uh, when you were writing the book, you, you have 32 chapters uh, in it, uh, Cormac. I'm just looking at uh, the table of contents here. And um, uh -huh. how did you come up with uh, that? I suppose that was through your research, is it? Yeah, well, I, what I wanted to do was kind of paint an overall picture about what a thriving place Rings End was back in the days of the sailing trawlers. Uh, there was a huge boat building facility in Rings End on the bank of the Dollar uh, that disappeared when the corporation took over the area and demolished all of the houses and the boatyards that were there. There was a vast amount of fishing boats, schooners, brigs built there, and a huge amount of yachts also, going back a couple of hundred years. And in in the space of one generation, it's all gone now. You can still see the remains of the slipways uh, along the bank of the Dodder at low tide. Mm. Uh, but in addition to that, everything associated with the sailing trawlers was actually made in Ring's End. So there was a huge amount of ancillary industries, uh, all of the ironwork, all of the nets, ropes, twine, sails, all made in Ring's End. Uh, so there was a, it was a, a fairly wealthy place by any standards. It wasn't by any means squalid or run down or poor because there was a huge amount of industry there. Every bit of glass in Dublin was made in Ring's End. There were various other industries there also. So there was a lot of employment. And why did they get rid of the, the, the boat building um, facilities, Cormac? Well, they were all located along the bank of the Dodder between the bridge and the point in Ring's End. And the, 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 the boatyards were interspersed with the rowing clubs of Dublin, which, have, and then which moved up to Island Bridge, that sort of college rowing and stuff like that. Mm. But there was a lot of rowing as well, and a couple of small yacht clubs in Ringsend. But in the 1930s, the corporation acquired the entire area, practically the entire area, uh, by compulsory purchase order and demolished and built the great blocks of flats that are there today. They knocked down practically all of Thorn Castle Street and built the blocks of flats. And they moved right down as far as Harry Smith's yard. There was one yard left. <clears throat> uh, by the time they were finished in the 1950s, there was one yard left. And it only lasted for another few years after that. But it had been there 
for a long time previously. So the, in, in the space of a generation, that whole tradition of uh, boat building in Rings End was practically lost. Uh, the last yard, practically the last yard to be knocked down was Morphy's yard, owned by Joe Morphy, who was a marvellous, a friend of mine, a marvellous shipwright and boat builder, who subsequently uh, became a shipwright in the port and docks. And, and of course, too, Cormac, um, within the locality, there was a huge amount of trawler families, I think, as they were called. Yeah, well, I'd have to tell you the story about how the sailing trawlers, the particular type of sailing trawlers, came to Rings End in the first place. Uh, uh, there was a, a vast amount of fish available in the Irish Sea and on the East Coast, more so than today, back in the day. And realizing that, a group of gentlemen got a company together to form a fishing company. Uh, it was a public company to which you could subscribe and buy shares. Uh, that was in 1818. And they formed the Dublin Trawling Company, the, the Dublin Fishery Company. And they gathered up a lot of money from public subscriptions and went over to Brixham in Devon and bought uh, they bought eight initially, bought seven initially and had one built in Dublin uh, of the great big fishing smacks that existed there. It represented a much more efficient way of fishing than the type of boats that were in existence in Ireland generally and on the East mm -hmm. Coast, which were smaller and had bigger crews. Uh, the, the, the Brixham smacks, they were up to about, from about 38 tonnes up to about 53 tonnes. And they varied very little. Some of the, they gradually tended to get a bit bigger as the century progressed. But throughout, they only had four of a crew, three men and a boy, whereas the existing boats in that were there in Dublin, such as Werries and Hoforth, they, they did trawling all right, but to a lesser extent. Uh, they didn't have mechanical winches like the Brixham trawlers had. They had mechanical hand-operated ratchet winches for hauling the trawl off the, the seabed. And they could fish in deeper water uh, than the local boats. So as a consequence, uh, it was quite successful for about 30 years. It folded up after that, but nevertheless, by that stage, people realized that this was the way forward. And they began to build those type of boats in the boatyards in Rings End. And a great many people who were involved in smaller boats got into the larger boats. And in no time at all, there was a regular fleet of them. And uh, they moored all along the Pigeon House Road, where the present-day moorings of the Yacht Club are. Mm. Is there any of the, any of the Brixham trawlers still around, Cormac? There are, unfortunately, not in Ireland. <clears throat> the Brixham type of rings and trawlers, none, none of those survive. But uh, there are about five or six still in existence uh, in in Brixham and in, in in Britain generally, and they've been restored and are used for sail training and charter work now. Uh, there's one that been, has been acquired recently. The biggest one ever built, actually called the Leader, has been acquired by a sailing group. Uh, in Newry, a traditional sailing and boat building group in Newry. Marvellous vessel. Um, also, I suppose there was a different other type of trawlers. Yeah, I, I noticed there was a one called a beam trawler, is it? What was, what was that? Yeah, well, in, in, sorry, in actual fact, Mick, all of the, the Brixham trawlers on the rings and trawlers were beam trawlers. They were beam uh, they trawlers. They told them with a great big wooden beam on it, pulled by a single rope. Uh, and it had great big iron shoes on it and a weighted foot line, foot rope on it, which dragged across the seabed, unlike modern trawlers that use uh, otterboards or doors uh, on either side of the net. That was the standard method of trawling back then. A very efficient way of trawling as well, I might add. Mm. I mentioned that the, the, the families. Obviously, it was a, it was a huge thing with, within families here in, in, in Rings End. I suppose it brought plenty of employment, did it? Yeah, and in addition to that... Um, 
when the when the boats came from Brixham originally, uh, the company asked the, the, the skippers who owned the boats to, and the crews to come over and to crew the vessels. And most of them there brought their families with them. And over the hundred years, there was a constant exchange of people coming, still coming from Brixham. A lot more boats came from Brixham with their families and settled in Ringsend. And it was a constant exchange over the hundred years uh, of boats back and, and, and people back and forth between Brixham and Devon and Ringsend. And there was still a huge amount of descendants of the Brixham fishermen living in Ringsend. And the name base, I would tell you that there are a great many Devon names to be uh, be had still in, in Ringsend and in Dublin generally that are associated with Devon. Names like Pullen, Rackley, Bartlett, so forth, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I, I noticed too when I was reading up on, on, on the book itself that there's some street names as well, isn't there? Um, were named after, you know, the, the likes of Ropewalk Place. Yeah, Ringsend was a fascinating place. All of the houses that were knocked down, it was a sort of a densely compacted uh, housing area. There were some quite high-status houses in a three- and four-story houses along there and a lot of little cottages and what they called courts. There were sort of little enclosed courts that had small dwellings uh, sited around them. But there were also a lot of um, places, as you said, like the rope walk. There were three or four rope walks these were long kind of laneways or passages where they actually stretched out ropes to twist them to make ropes. Mm. And they're marked on the early Ireland survey charts. Um, it was a, one of the courts was called Whiskey Row. <laughs> it was later changed to Dodder Place. <laughs> yeah. But Cormac, the, the book, you, you launched it, what, around 18 months ago, was it? Um, yeah, we had, a, we had a book launch in the, the Pearl Bag Yacht Club and it was a very successful uh a huge crowd came to it, and there was great interest in it uh, generally and from the people in Ringsend also. A lot of local Ringsend people came and discovered some of their ancestors in the book. And, of course, for, uh, the, the book, you only published a small amount of, of, of copies, I think, for it, did you? But is there a copy still available? Well, um, <clears throat> I, the book, we, we only published 500, and there's a, there's a few hundred. I think there's a couple of hundred or 150 left. I'm not sure, something like that. Uh, slow enough to go, but because it's of limited local interest. But it was simply just um, a piece of maritime history that had gone under the radar and practically disappeared. So I just felt that it had to be written and recorded. Uh, obviously, uh, it's not a profit-making thing because it actually it costs money to produce something like that because it's Absolutely, an extremely yeah. well-produced book, very well illustrated. <laughs> and... Um, the, the publishing house that I intended to go to uh, closed up and I had to get it published privately. As a result, I'm faced with having to distribute it myself. Indeed. But it's on, you'll find it on eBay. If you just put it, if you go into eBay, into the books section and yeah. just put in sailing trawlers or put in rings and sailing trawlers, you'll find it very easily and it can be posted out. It's, um, but the, the, Production costs, unfortunately, spiraled a bit. You know that this became very expensive because of the quality of the production. is very, very well produced uh, on very good quality paper and well bound and all. Uh, but in addition to that, I've been selling quite a good few privately. So, if anybody wanted to uh, get in contact with me, I'll call out my phone number now. It's oh eight six one five zero. Three seven double six. So if anybody wants a copy privately rather than going to eBay, they can just ring me. 
Brilliant. And it retails 27 euro, is that right, Cormac? Well, it's, it's retailing, selling privately for 27 euros. Obviously, I had to put some money on it for postage yeah. and commission and stuff like that. I think it's on eBay for 32 plus postage, but the postage is reasonable enough. We should have rang it before <laughs> Christmas, Cormac, about this because uh, it would have been a nice present, I'm sure, for people uh, to give at, uh, at Christmas time. But sure, any time of the year will do anyway. Yeah, absolutely. And I did sell quite a good few for that purpose around Christmas time also, yeah. <laughs> well, Cormac, thanks a lot for, for joining us on, on the Community News Desk today and telling us about uh, the book. Uh, hopefully uh, there's some people out there listening who might be interested in it uh, and will contact you on it. But uh, great to have uh, a history, to say, of uh, the Rings End Sailing Trawlers. My great pleasure as always, Mick. Thank you very much indeed. Thanks, Cormac. Well, if you would like to hear more on Rings and Sailing Trawlers, Cormac will be giving a talk uh, to the Old Dublin Society in Pier Street Library on Wednesday, the 28th of February at 6pm. And all are welcome to that. I think it's a free event as well. That's the 28th of February, a Wednesday evening at 6pm. And you can hear more from Cormac F. Loud on Rings and Sailing Trawlers. And if you want to get a copy of the book, Rings and Sailing Trawlers, as Cormac mentioned previously, you can call him on 086-150-3766. That's all from the Community News Desk this week. My thanks to our guests Cormac F. Loud and Darren O'Connor. And also my thanks to the Rick Radio crew of Adam, Ronan and Dylan on Sound and Editing, Leslie and Monica on Admin, Jennifer on Social Media and Darren on the website. Don't forget to tune into our other podcasts here on Rick Radio, The Soccer Show, 3 and In, is out tomorrow, Tuesday, with Josh, Keith and Dylan. And this coming Wednesday, the second episode of Minding Your Own Self with Helen Walsh broadcasts from 12 noon. From me, Mick, take care and have a great week.